then you're going to become more and more competent. And, and that's how we're going to basically program you to move the way that you used to. So, like, in your experience, how long does that take? <laughs> that's a good question. And that comes down to the athlete's expertise, uh, how competent the athlete is, and how seriously they take their rehab. Seems like a great idea to... Uh, to get wrapped in my house or do yeah, something like that, you know what like I mean? Just like the worst thing. Are you gonna do that push-up thing? Yeah, I think so. I think that's a good one. That's gonna be awesome. Just stretch my chest out. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Welcome back. We're in. It's the Full Send Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, it's Thursday. It's colder than I would like it to be, but I get to be alongside uh, my two really good friends here. We've got Dr. Jim. He's back in action. What's up, Jim? How's it going, guys? Good to be back. And as always, we have we have Coach Monroe, uh, post, post-wad. How was the wad today, bro? It was good. I liked it. Yeah. I liked it a lot. It was uh, longer, so. I, I read it on the whiteboard, and I was like, oh, that's a cool-looking chipper, and then I saw his AMRAP, and I'm like, I, yeah, want, I don't want to do that. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Heavy thrusters, man. Uh, not not exactly my jam, which is probably why I should have done it today. Yeah, it was good. Uh, did some trick pull-ups earlier, so it was fun too. Cool. All right, well, we get to talk about injury prevention. We get to talk about what Jim's going through currently, and we'll get to that. But first, uh, I want to go over what we're trying to accomplish within the gym right now. Monroe, where are you at? What are you trying to do? I'm trying to do a Nordic hamstring curl. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. And, uh, and for... <laughs> no, that would be okay. <laughs> Um, so I'm still just trying to work on um, strengthening my hamstrings and my glutes and uh, lengthening my quads and hip flexors. So trying to balance myself out a little bit. Okay, cool. I'm working on still actively no no tantrums, no no nothing in the gym. That hasn't happened. I I might be like a month streak in. I'm a lot happier for it, too, so if you guys want to do something that's going to make you happier in life, don't complain when you're in here, don't kick shit, anything like that. Um, I'm doing some Murph prep. Jim and I were just talking about that. I'm doing some stuff on a weekly basis, both with Sydney, sometimes with David as well. Um, and I guess now that really isn't an effort to, to do decent at Murph, but uh, they both just enjoy doing workouts like that, so it just kind of fell into place like that. And then, go ahead. So, speaking of... Murph prep, and this always comes up. Mm. Do you think that Murph is something that you should prep for? No, not necessarily. Like if you do CrossFit, it's more of yeah, like you a, should be okay. a challenge. Hey, once a year, you're yeah. going to challenge yourself. Yeah. But you don't think that people should start doing no. push-ups every day like you? No, I don't, I, don't think you need, I don't think that's necessary at all, right? I mean, the point behind Murph is to do a really fun workout once a year in honor of um, really Michael Murphy, but really those who have been in service and have fallen, you know, within service just to just to honor them for a single day. So do you need to prep for it? No. Will it make it easier? Sure. But, I mean, so is practicing anything else within CrossFit. But if your objective is to do a bunch of CrossFit, then, then no, I wouldn't specialize in anything one way or the other. I think that you should prep for it. <laughs> I, the first time and I did it. why is that, Jim? Well, because, like, I, I played basketball a lot before I did CrossFit. So when this workout came up, I was like, this is my jam. And then I got to it, I did like a six minute mile on the first one and then just died. Mm-hmm. Like, and then the rest of it was the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life. And yeah. I was like, well, if I prepared a little bit and like really felt what that many push ups, that many push ups uh, and pull ups feel like, like I would have had a better idea going into it. Because after that, I was like wrecked for like five days. So, so if it's your first time, I think that it wouldn't be a bad idea to prep a little bit. If you've done it before, you know what you're getting yourself you into. Do like a mini one. 
Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. Let's and let's dive into this a little bit because these will be some little nuggets on like tips if you, especially if you're doing this for the first time. Jim, you said how fast was your first mile when oh, you went yeah, out in Murph? I did it like, I was six flat. Yes, yeah, dude, I did this like is six. this is the number one mistake that yeah, I've seen people do. It. And like, look, I get it. You get super hyped up. You're like, I'm gonna go as hard as I possibly can. I think the worst thing that you can do is do six minutes. And Jim is a cart. You know, he's a what, a monostructural machine, right? We've all seen him on the on the skier, on the rower, the run. He's a, he's a fast boy. So what I would suggest to that is take your six minute mile. And go out like go eight, slower, eight. Yeah. Or go way slower. Yeah. You should just be going out comfortable, almost like a talking pace, because you have so much more work that is left to be done. Yeah. Oh, it right? was just poor planning. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, so, okay, like last couple, two things about Murph before we move on to our main topic. Yeah. What do you think? I want each of your opinion. What do you think the uh, the right way to do it is? What can you be more specific? Oh, what do you mean by you right way? Like yeah, people yeah. say, like, oh, if you didn't do it partition, if you did it on partition, oh, then okay. it's not right. Yeah. Oh, if you didn't do it okay. best, then it's not right. Yeah. Uh, and then, what is your favorite way to partition it? Okay, Jim, take it away. Um, I always have broken it up. Like I'll do, you know. Uh, was it push-ups, pull-ups? Like, and you think RX is no best? It's fine. Like you would say, hey, I've done Murph as it's written without yeah. a vest. I've done it without. I've never done it with the best. Yeah. Right, I've but you would say that's best. more like an RX plus type thing. Yeah, not so much like a you've done the workout for sure. Okay, and you wait your way to break it up. What what was it like five, ten, fifteen? Yeah, that's twenty way? rounds. Yeah, yeah, I think that's okay. the way I did. What's yours? So the first question is, what's the right way to do it? Yeah. Oh, I don't care. I think people Partitions should. Is fine. Yeah, I think I think people should be able to do it however they see fit mm-hmm. to do it and everything like that. Um, I think it's RX. I, there's just different ways to do it, and it's a different, I don't know, metabolic pathway. I mean, there's way more stamina if you're going to do it on partition than you are going to do it partition. So naturally, yeah. you're going to go faster. So I don't really get caught up in that, mm-hmm. um, whether it's RX or not. Uh, favorite way to partition it. Uh, whew, that's a tough question. Yeah, it's a, was, it's a hard I workout, I man. That, yeah. Uh, I like to partition it less because it's more challenging. So I've done 20 rounds, 5, 10, 15, did it in 37 minutes. And it was oh, like, wow. I just kind of cruised through that. Yeah. Um, I think it's a, it's a much better mental, uh, mental kind of workout. If I go five rounds, it's, five rounds is kind of yeah. fun because you're not just sitting there for forever and you're able to kind of keep moving, mm-hmm. but it's a lot more challenging 20 rounds. 20, I'll say 40, that. 60? Yeah. 20, 40, 60. I'll say yeah, that. That's, uh, I've heard that's the hardest way to do it. <laughs> I think it, I think it was the worst I felt. Yeah. Like with unpartition, at least like once you get done with something, you're done with it. Mm-hmm. You know, you can just kind of chunk through it. Um, but I've heard that's like big sets of everything. It just gets gnarly either way. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm right there with you. I think that you know any way that you get through it is as prescribed. Um, and I think that as people, if this is your first time doing it, I think you should try to scale it the first time. Try yeah. to do it. Uh, partitioned 20 rounds of Cindy with a, without a vest and then once you do that I think you should try and do it with a vest partitioned and then I think you should try and do it unpartitioned with a vest and or without a vest and then unpartitioned with a vest yeah would be the hardest I've done it differently every single year that I've done it yeah. and uh, you know I would say that for like first timers like not I'm gonna say like 90% maybe 95 are doing it 5, five 10 20 right. or even like what is it? Five, five, fifteen, five. Because yeah, the push-ups the push-up. for most, for most, yeah, is the hardest the part for people, yeah. and where you really slow for down. Um, so just remember that as you're going into that. And um, well, the best way to yeah. break up the push-ups, if you're really bad on them like me, here, here is he comes. fifty rounds of two, four, six. 
So that's you what said, I'm going to do. You said that year. to Sydney the other day, and she's like, what? You yeah, can do that? 50 rounds of 246. See, I, like, I'm the type of guy when a workout gets long, like, my counting skills just go down the toilet. So, like, I could not, like, keep. Gotta have the straight. whiteboard next yeah. to your something, you know? Yeah, but 50 times? That's, oh, you just have a whiteboard. Yeah. Yeah, I got, yeah, and then you gotta count. That's also something uh, nice about, you know, the five rounds. You're just like, all right. Yeah, like, keep it simple. You know, and that keep is pretty simple. It. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a little bit about Murph. That's a nice little intro that we have here today. Uh, but our point today is we get to talk a little bit about injury, injury prevention. And, Jim, you have a story for us. Uh, talk to us, man. We haven't had you on in maybe six weeks, something like that. What's going on in your life right now? Um, the clinic's, you know, taking some big steps. There's some tile up there in the bathroom, and we've got some more things going on with the gym with the water fountain being done, so happy on those fronts. Um, in terms of injury prevention, it was kind of funny because uh, – Monroe was seeing me for a hamstring injury and then I got injured in like the least cool way possible I was just doing like a body weight Cossack squat warming up and then I just felt a big pop in my hamstring so I've been uh, out of commission for a little over a week now Um, so now I need to take a dose of my own medicine and slow down you know reevaluate and then start strengthening things back up so we thought today would be a good time to talk about injury recovery yeah, go, go ahead, so Monroe. So what, what do you think, like, you, okay, you're doing a bodyweight squat, you're strong, you're conditioned, you're flexible, you've moved through these movements all the time, you know what you're doing, mm-hmm. like, how does something like that happen? Because I think people are very scared of injury, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's like, even if you do everything right, like... It happens. It yeah, happens. So it's like, how, how do you, I guess, mentally, I guess, just you know be okay with that that it's like hey what i'm doing and moving my body around you know i could get hurt and Mm -hmm. you know that's not if i get hurt it's the end of the line and like how do you get through that i guess yes i mean you're a different person each day when you walk into the gym like if you just did like uh, i still looked at this week's workouts if you did monday's workout like all those squats all the biking you know you're not the same person coming into the gym on monday as you are on tuesday because your legs are just completely destroyed after something like that so with me, I think the day before I had played basketball, which is a lot of, you know, lateral movements in terms of like what I was doing compared to here where it's just, you know, you're moving in the, in the sagittal plane. Um, so when I started moving, I was tight. I didn't roll out where I felt real tight. And then that just gave on me. Um, so being cognizant of your body and, you know, taking time, get to the gym early. I usually like to get to the gym 15 minutes early. I was just treating patients. I was rushing. I did everything that I would. I tell people not to do. So, <laughs> you know, I got to yeah. be better. So I think there's something to remember too. Like in life, it's pretty much a matter of like when you get injured, and that goes for anything. Like even if you're sitting on the couch the entire time, like lack of motion is going to inflame the joints. You're not going to be able to move very well. Uh, you might have pain in the hips or your psoas or wherever that's going to be. So, like, even if you're not going to be active, eventually you're going to do something with your body that's not going to feel that good, right? And when we get injured, we're either doing something uh, – we're not prepared to do, like, too fast or too heavy is typically kind of what, what what happening. Yeah, I look happening. at it as, like, you're blessed to get injured. Honestly, like, if you're healthy enough to be out and exercising, like, this is part of the game here, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, these small setbacks can really open up your eyes to, you know, hey, like – I got injured because I am the tightest person of all time, then it's like, hey, maybe, you know, next time around, as you go through the rehab process, really be diligent in, you know, fixing your imbalances, fixing those areas of tightness so that you don't run into these problems again. Injuries can be a good thing. It can actually, you know, if you uh, approach your rehab appropriately, you can become a better athlete as a result of it, you know? Totally agree. 
And I think that this injury that I'm going through is the first time that I've done that. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, I've been proactive about it. The first time I had, uh, and like every, every, I'd say I've hurt myself three times seriously, and it's always affected my squat. It's mm-hmm. always been like, hey, can't squat for the next, you know, three months quite right, and then it gets better, and I, you know, it's more I just kind of stretch it out and ignore it a little bit and shake it off and hope it goes away, and then after some time, it may feel better, but I never really fixed, like, the root, root issue, yeah. right? And now I feel like this is the first time where it's like, okay, I'm getting older, like, <laughs> and now it's not like, okay, it hurts the worst at, the, at, that, at this point, and then it starts to get better, and it gradually just gets better and better. This time it's felt really good, gotten better, and then gotten worse again, and then gotten better, and then gotten worse again. So now yeah. I'm just like, how do I not slide back down that hill? So I think I've been more cognizant about, you know, everything. Well, I could tell, like, you know, the first time that you got hurt, you know, you asked some questions and went here and there with it. This time you're like, hey, give me what I need <laughs> to do to get it done. And I was like, all right, this is perfect. I was like, this is going to be a really good uh, case study in, like, when you start taking it really seriously because – Um, And as I wanted to talk about today, there's really three stages of healing. You have the inflammatory response, the repair response, and the remodeling response, all right? And this is a continuum, so, like, these three stages overlap with one another. And you're at the point where, like, it's you're not in that inflammatory stage anymore. You're not in that repairing stage anymore. You're in the remodeling stage where we really need to strengthen and strengthen certain muscles and lengthen certain muscles so that you can move competently throughout that motion without getting caught up in any different spots. So um, that's the really, you're at the tail end of that stage, but that stage, if you don't approach it right, can last a really long time. Yeah. Cause I mean, I, I've noticed that as I've, you know, tried to go through the remodeling part and then I forget to start rolling my quads out you know mm-hmm. and, and then this shortens back up it's just like undoes it undoes everything and it's like i feel like i go back down those steps and then i have to go right back up <laughs> yeah. yeah so hitting it right the first time and uh this is a problem that when i first got into practice i had a, I had a difficulty recommending to patients when to return to play because it's like you know as an athlete i and the reason why i got into sports medicine in the first place was because when someone fixed me i was like i want to fix other people it had a really profound effect on me and, like, I want to let my athletes go back to training hard, but, like, I got to be their advocate because they're not looking out for themselves. Like, they just think, I need to train, I need to train. Yep. And I have to pull the reins in on them because if I don't, then it's two steps forward, four steps back instead of, you know, what it should be. Is, you know, there's going to be, you know, as long as we're trending in the right direction, I'm happy. So you could take two steps forward, one step back. But if, like, we start regressing, then it's like, hey, I gave you too much leash and I should have held you back. So... Uh, that's something that I'm, I'm learning to be better with. And I feel like we've done a good job incorporating that with you this time around. For sure. And, I mean, I think that the same is the same as coaching what I tell these guys. is like nobody knows how – or nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm-hmm. And it's like – it's not that I didn't think you cared the first couple times that we <laughs> talked about this, but it's just like yeah, – How much of a relationship I mean, was there, though? Yeah, I mean, like more like we built that relationship. You're like, dude, you're like looking at me like – I can't want you to fix this enough <laughs> that you have to do it. And it's like, you're going to keep coming to my office. You're going to keep getting hurt, yeah. you know, and it's like something you have to do. And it's the same conversation that I have with, you know, athletes. It's like, dude, you got to go home and you got to cook that food yourself. Yeah. Like, and that's the, that's the, the and that's the hard part about like what you do is like, in my opinion, the, the workout, the gym stuff, that's the fun part. Like mm-hmm. the, re- the, the recovery, the mobility and the nutrition that's like, and the sleep like, those are the parts where 
you know, what you do outside the gym is way, you know, affecting what you're doing in the gym more than you think. Yeah, you, you could take an athlete from being good to great if, you know, I, and it's so funny because I have a couple patients who train here, and one of them is relentless. Uh, she trains maybe a little bit too much and then isn't, like, she's doing all the hard stuff, like waking up, running, lifting, doing all this stuff, but then not recovering. It's like, you're doing, like, what 90% of, like, the overweight Americans are not doing, mm-hmm. like, getting out of bed and doing it, but then you're not taking care of yourself on the back end, and, like, you can transform from good to great if you start doing the little things right, because, yeah. you know, you can't just be on 100% at the gym, and then the second you go home, you know, turn it all off. Like, you gotta be consistent throughout it. You know, you gotta eat well, you gotta sleep well, and you gotta recover well in order to actually get gains, you know? For sure. All right, guys, so we talked about the three different stages kind of of recovering from injury. Can you guys walk us through what what each of you are doing to kind of get an insight on what this looks like? You both are recovering, and I think are in different stages at this point as well, or I at least would guess that. So, um, Jim, can we start with you, and then we can talk a little bit about uh, Monroe, a little bit more detail on how he's recovering. um, It's interesting. Whenever there's an injury – you got to look at areas that are supposed to move really well. So like your ball and socket joints, so like the shoulder and the hip. And then you got to look at areas that don't move that complicatedly, like the hamstring and the quad. You know, when you contract your quad, kicks the leg out. When you contract the hamstring, comes back in. When we have injuries in those areas, um, the ball and socket joint suffers. So you got to look to the glute muscles and to all the other muscles that attach to that area. So basically what happened with me was I pulled the hamstring it hurt to stretch it. When it when it's painful to stretch something, that means that those fibers haven't adhered to one another yet. Okay, so you don't want to stretch it when it's in pain. That's when you want to stretch the other side. So I've been really focusing on lengthening my quads out as much as possible. Once I get to the point where I can contract the hamstring without pain, that's when I could start getting aggressive with that's, my rehab. That's gold, dude. I yeah. I never would have thought of something like that. Yeah. What do you mean pain? So like, like if stre- like I mean for people like we make them stretch and it's painful. Like at what point is that stretch pain good or bad? So pain is completely 100% subjective. So it's different it's a different experience for each person. I know what stretching pain feels like compared to what pain pain feels like. And if you're having pain pain when you're stretching, that's when you should not be touching that muscle okay. because it's still actively inflamed. The repair process is still ongoing. And if we have these two sides that are trying to meet and gel together, we don't want to keep ripping them apart from one another. So I'm still at the spot where I can't stretch my hamstrings without pain pain, so I'm holding off on that. Or if you take a muscle and you actively contract it, and then that's causing pain, that's another side that that muscle is still not 100%. Like a Charlie horse. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, what's important is to lengthen the other side to basically decompress that side as much as possible, get it to the point where you can actively contract it and actively stretch it without pain, and then you can take the next step in the rehab process. So then you can start doing, like, isometrics or movements that contract it without creating movement in the joint to start strengthening and building it back up. Yeah, what are, what are isometrics? What do you mean by that? Sure, so iso means same, metric means distance. So we're, we're, we're contracting the muscle without moving at all. So an example of that would be like if I lock my leg out straight completely like this and I just extend as far as I can, I'm isometrically strengthening that quadricep muscle. It's not moving, but it's contracting. Whereas if it was like an isotonic uh, exercise, like let's say a bicep curl, that's the same weight throughout the full range of motion. Mm-hmm. 
All right, so um, the earlier stages, you're, you don't want to move the joint through the full range of motion because there's not enough competency in the joint yet. You've got to build up that underlying strength before you start progressing them to more complicated movements. Okay. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. So the other thing, too, that Monroe was talk and I were talking about was muscle memory and um, basically the way that your body learns movements, all right? And so Yeah, and that's kind of like where I feel like I'm at with my yeah. recovery stuff is like like it doesn't hurt i'm not in pain mm-hmm. it just feels like i can't like get my body to do what i want it to do exactly so there's um there's something you could do in what's called a functional mri where basically you have someone in an mri machine so let's the i was just reading up on this before i came over and they took basketball players and volleyball players and they said while they're laying there motionless in the mri machine Go through serving a volleyball, all right? So they had the volleyball players do that and a basketball player do that mentally, not physically. So they're just running through. I was about to ask, can you do that in an MRI machine? I've I've never been in one, but I wouldn't think so. No, you don't want to be moving around in there. So what ends up happening is the fMRI uh, will basically show what areas of the brain light up when you go to do something. So what was interesting was they had these two groups perform two tasks. One was serve and the other was shoot a foul shot. And then they charted what would happen on the brain. Now, when you're skilled at something, it takes, when you're an expert at something, it takes less brain activity for you to do that movement. So the volleyball players, when they did the spike, they had this little blip come up on the brain when they had the, uh, or the serve rather, and then when they had the basketball players do it, there was a much larger light up in the brain because it wasn't a, a pathway that they were used to accessing. Same thing when they did the foul shot. Little blip came up for the basketball players, and then it lit up the volleyball players. So what's going on in Monroe's case is he doesn't have a good representation of muscle memory in his brain for those movements yet. So that's why rehab is really, we at the outer ends, like where he's at, we, we need to make it more sports-specific. We need to grease the groove. We need him to run through repetition on repetition on repetition to really hammer that pathway home in his brain so it becomes second nature. Like, you, you see it on Saturdays when Monroe's showing someone how to do the snatch. He just pops into that position. And yeah. if you take someone who's never done that before, who has all the range of motion to do it, they can't pop into that position the way he does because he's greased that groove and he has that muscle memory, that brain-body connection to get himself into that position. That's what we're working on getting him back to with his hamstring right now. So, like, the other thing that's interesting to me is I feel like my brain-body connection has lied to me and where it's like... I've almost, like, now that I'm doing these, like, hamstring curls and that I'm, like, really, like, focusing on activating my glutes and hamstrings, excuse me, my squat feels totally different. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like I can feel those muscles now, like, way more. And I'm like, oh, this isn't how I felt like my Mm -hmm. normal greased groove squat felt. It feels like I have a lot more, like, control through muscles that I never felt before. So, like, I don't know, like just makes me think like how many other things that i've been doing it are like it feels like i'm doing it right but it might be a lie that i'm yeah. not like when, you know when you say brain body connection and you're talking about you doing it in a squat and you're being uh you know cognizant of it now like what was the difference what do you what do you think about now versus in the past kind of before you got injured so i would say before i got injured i didn't really think about much at all mm-hmm. and i think that now i'm thinking about it it's really hard to control yeah and like and what, so, are, like, what are some like of the said, thoughts like that are like going a, through your head <laughs> Uh, like just trying to track my knee straight yeah, and like try to not have it wobble. And I just, 
like it shouldn't be painful and so I feel like like I'm really trying to screw my feet into the ground I'm really trying to like stay engaged I'm trying to pull myself to the bottom of the squat I'm trying to sit as deep as I possibly can and stand up all the way but like if I if I'm trying to push my knees out as I'm sitting down and it like maybe pulls a little bit to one way it doesn't hurt but it almost like triggers a feeling of like pain but it's not it's not super painful but it's kind of like it just feels like jittery when I'm trying to like make it do the right thing and yeah I don't know it's like a it's like a 0.5 on the pain scale but it's almost like like you said it's electrical signals and it feels like it's like so we call that fear avoidance patterns because you knew that in the past that would be a painful motion for you. So yeah. when you're going through that motion, you're looking for the pain and it's that signal's not as good and it's not as great as it used to be. Now it's down to like a 0.5, whereas before it was pretty darn, ex- like when I saw you after the quarterfinals, like, you know, it was really hurting. You didn't, you didn't want to go through that motion because you knew the pain was there. Mm-hmm. Your body remembers that. So now as we continue to build up the repetitions and it learns like, hey, this isn't a painful movement anymore, then you're going to become more and more competent. And, and that's how we're going to basically program you to move the way that you used to. So, so like, in your experience, how long does that take? <laughs> that's a good question. And that comes down to the athlete's expertise, uh, how competent the athlete is, and how seriously they take their rehab. So the more serious that you take that rehab, the quicker that it's going to go. The more repetitions you do, repetitions of father of learning. If you keep doing your reps and keep getting that work in, it's going to come quicker than if you, you know, sit back and just hope that it heals on its own. What else are we missing here, Jim? So we've gone through, I think, maybe two stages of that. Uh, what you're going through, Monroe's going through. What else do you have to add here on the, uh, the injury recovery track? Um, sleep and protein intake. <laughs> That, let's mean, let's start with sleep. Yeah, let's yeah, start we were there. talking about this the other day, and like I think yeah. I, I saw something that was like I was talking about playing violin, and it was like that the like when your brain is practicing something, it like insulates the it like adds insulation to the connection of that electrical signal that makes your brain do what it should do for your muscles, mm-hmm. and it's like that insulation only gets built when you sleep, and like that's when you're practice turns into learning right yeah so sleep is when we basically put short-term memory into long-term memory and that's when we um ingrain those either you know either like when you're studying and learning or like body movement um so you want to become to the point and if we're relating this back to sport that these movements become subconscious like you don't even have to think if i'd say drop into a squat you could do it without being like screw my feet in, push my knees out. (laughs) Like you want to be able to just do it. And that takes repetitions on repetitions. I mean, I love basketball. Steph Curry just hit like an insane amount of threes. Like like some record that's never going to be touched. And when you watch him do it, he doesn't even think about it. It's just instinctual. And that's because he's done it millions and millions of times. I mean, his dad was an NBA player. He's had a ball in his hand his whole life. But, um, but, and that's obviously at the most elite level, but we just need to keep reprogramming and reprogramming. And it's just like uh, when you first see an athlete come into the gym, they're going to have significant strength gains after two months. Mm-hmm. It's not because they got that much stronger. It's because they are activating that neuronal pathway. They're laying down what's called more myelin. Myelin is that insulation that wraps itself around mm-hmm. the nerve yeah. to conduct the electrical impulses faster. And they're just... from a neurological perspective they're being able to control their body through that movement and then that the weight goes up it's like initially people are like man i'm really freaking good at this weightlifting thing i got so much stronger in like such a short amount of time and it's like 
that's just muscle memory. Yeah. You haven't even talked, like, we have so much more to go, and it's, it's a good thing, and it's, it's good to get them excited about it. But it's not really like their biceps gained, like, two inches or something. It's like, no, they just became, you know, more competent at the movement and grooved that pathway a lot, so now they can move it more effectively. Yeah, I mean, and I think we've talked about this, like, training brand new people is so much better than training <laughs> people who've done CrossFit for like five years. Agree. And they think they know like what, you know, yeah, it's like, agree. you know, you get somebody that's brand new and it's like, Hey, touch my hand, with, touch my uh, hand with your knee. And they figure it out and they, you know, you can teach them right from the beginning. Yeah. Cause you don't have to peel back all the layers of yep. the onion. Like they, mm-hmm. you know, other people have it ingrained like today, me and you're working on gymnastics and I have my way of kipping, which mm-hmm. is not the right way of kipping <laughs> to get up there. So, um, it's tougher when you have a more experienced person to deprogram them and then reprogram to do it the right way. So what do you think it takes? Uh, and, and like, do you think that it is something that you can practice getting better at doing that where you're, I would say, I guess practice being more coachable, but like, like I had the same experience working with you on the double unders where it's mm-hmm. just like, Hey, this is how I think about it. And I could just communicate that to you. And you're like, hundred percent I got you I know what you like I know exactly what you're talking about and you could try and do it right away mm-hmm. and like some people you tell them over and over and over again and they just can't like you're like that's better mm-hmm. and they can't feel that it's better especially when I'm teaching the snatch at the beginning it's like snatch it's like so it's like trust me yeah. it looks so much better like yeah. trust me that's the right thing and it's mm-hmm. like I feel like I'm looking at them and they're like sure dude I like if you say it's right I guess it's right you know so like is that something you can get better at? How would people, like, who, I guess, struggle to, I guess, receive, like, coaching on that kind of stuff? Like, is that something you get better at? Or Yeah, I mean, just like anything else, just practice, practice, practice. You know, it, you're not, like, the Olymp- especially the Olympic weightlifting, something so technical. I mean, it's really funny. Uh, my, my Facebook feed comes up with, like, these olympic weightlifters from like these other countries now i guess like i've just looked up too much sunny weird. webster yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah like all over it. and i'll see these uh these small looking women snatching weight that like i could see pat snatching and i'm like yeah. what i'm yeah, like that's awesome right you could do what pat does and it's because it's the technique and like that's just hours and hours of repetition and repetition so like you can't get discouraged when like you know just like with me and you today i, I still didn't get the bar muscle up but like we got it way better I need to put in the time and I need to rep and rep and rep. And and that's the best way that people can get better is just, you know, getting in there and and doing it, you know? Yeah, there's also just like an ego thing there too. Oh like, my god, dude, yeah. ego's ego's the enemy, and I get there too. Like Monroe will come up and you know Monroe, like I know a lot of stuff. Monroe knows a lot more than I do, and he'll come up to me in my squat and be like, Brandon, you know, uh, go a little slower, or track your knees over your toes. I'm like, fuck you, dude. Yeah. Like in, in the beginning, but then I'm like, wait, wait, no, no, no. like, like he's saying he's saying this yeah. with a purpose, with a reason, right? Um, yeah, you gotta you gotta check the ego when you come in the door, yeah, and, I mean, and, and want to be held because like there's not a coach in here who's coming up to cue you to be a be a jerk mm-hmm. you know they're coming because they want to help you they want to get you into a better position mm-hmm. and you can't see yourself yeah there's yeah. no you can't do yeah. it right mm-hmm. you have no idea how well you're moving yeah so, uh, and that's how bad you, you're moving you just gotta you know be open to the coaching and like realizing like hey like he's a expert professional at this Monroe's mm-hmm. been doing it longer than I mean probably like five times longer than I've been doing you know uh Olympic weightlifting I think I'm like two or three years in you said you're at like 10 yeah yeah so 10, like and that's had, just like this is 
that's just years, know. dude. If you break down like the hours, yeah, exactly, it's like yeah. it's absurd. So, like, you right? Know, you got to be humble. You got to be open to criticism. And like, no one likes being criticized. But like, you know, if the critic, if you accept the criticism and you know take it in stride and try and get better, I mean, that's what we're all here for—to get better. So, just being open would be the answer to your question. Like, being open and and giving it your all for sure. Um, I totally agree. I think that. Uh, you know, I've noticed with myself at least that I move better when I go to class and when I have a coach and when I'm like in a situation where it's like, okay, everybody, let's move the empty barbell. Okay, we're going to do three hang power queens from top of the knee. Three, two, one, go. And we grease those movements. Mm-hmm. I feel so much better. Like I was going to do this workout. Um, like I didn't have a 7 yeah, a.m. I didn't have a 7 a.m. class this yeah. morning. So I was like, ah, this workout looks fun. Let me just knock it out real quick. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't. And I came to the noon class, and I felt so much better in the noon class because I was like, I did all the warm-ups with the whole class. And it's like, like I don't really – I mean, I can put 115 on the bar but like, and just do it, but it's much better for me. And yeah. I feel much better when I'm you know, with that group and I'm doing the class and I have the coaching there. you know. Oh, yeah. So. It's, it's so different. And I, I feel that when I come in and work out by myself, like first off, the motivation is not there because you're just like – like no one's watching you, and you're just like, you know – well, if I don't do this, if I don't go super heavy because I'm by myself, but then when you're with other people, you, you go so much harder. So, yeah, I mean, you got to um, just hold yourself accountable and, and do – that's why the whiteboard's nice. It, te- it lays it all out for you. Here's your warm-up. Sure. You know, you got you to gotta get it moving. Yeah. Uh, Jim, talk to me a little bit. You mentioned protein. Talk to me a little bit about that, mm-hmm. and then uh, we'll, do, we'll do closing thoughts sure. here, and we'll, we'll call um, it an episode. So – the protein and the sleep kind of go hand in hand with one another. Um, when you sleep, that's when basically your body repairs everything. It turns the dimmer switch down on all your organ systems and your hormone systems and, and lets them rest. If you're training all the time and then you're not sleeping, your hormones are going to get completely out of whack. Uh, hormones are made from either protein or fats. So if you're not getting those in your diet and then you're not sleeping, then we're just setting off this huge cascade of events of things to go wrong. And then people break down and then they, you know, either get injured or get sick and then need to shut it down for a bit. Um, What you really want to do is make sure that you're taking in adequate amounts of protein for the muscle recovery and adequate amounts of protein for the hormone balance. Um, You want to make sure that you're taking in adequate amounts of, you know, healthy fats to, you know, because those fats are precursors to, you know, testosterone and, um, you know, progesterone and all, you know, basically all the hormones in the body and and that's how you're gonna you know maximize being healthy while doing healthy things because crossfit can be a really healthy thing if if you approach it the right way um but if you know you're just burning out every day and then not sleeping and not recovering then it you can really you know injure yourself so you gotta you gotta take care of yourself what about adrenal fatigue because like i used to date this girl what what is so for for the kids here what is adrenal so like fatigue? Your, your adrenal glands produce adrenaline. Yep. Right, which is... So it's like, it, that comes from overtraining, right? Like when you're in the same kind of thing, right? Yeah, or overstressed. I mean, if you're chronically under a lot of stress, the theory is that you're, you know, you're overproducing um, your... I guess let's back it up a little bit. You have what's called your autonomic nervous system, mm-hmm. and you have your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system that make up your autonomics. Sympathetic nervous system is fight or flight. Parasympathetic is rest and digest. So what you want to do is you want to have balance between the two of them. If you are constantly, you know, 
super caffeinated, not sleep and training all the time, stress out all the time, you are going to run your sympathetic nervous system. And that parasympathetic nervous system is going to go by the wayside. Then you start getting digestional problems because your parasympathetic nervous system isn't working well. You get into this bad rut of a routine and, and that's what adrenal fatigue is. Yeah, I mean like in, I've talked to this with a few people that I coach in nutrition where it's like, hey look, at a point more exercise is not the answer. And it's like, if you're stressed out of your job, you're not sleeping, and you're doing like all this extra volume of training to try and lose weight, like you're just beating yourself oh into God. the floor with stress. And it's like, yeah. your body's not going to switch over into that rest, digest and allow your body to process everything and, you know, let go of those fat stores, you know? And I, I always think about it like a bear going to hibernation. It's like, you know, if you're not safe in your little hut, then your body's not going to be able to use that stored body fat for fuel. It's just going to freak out and be like, yeah, I like, <laughs> don't I, die. I can nail that perfectly. It was like, you know, more exercise isn't going to fix this. Right. You know, you got to take a, a look, uh, take a step back and look at yourself and be like, man, I am just beat down, you know, 40 plus hours a week working some of these people. Mm-hmm. And then you're training like a monster in here. Yep. So, you know, eight hours of sleep, non-negotiable, and you're just going to feel so much better. The hormone balance is going to be better. And if you get the nutrition, then you're clicking on all cylinders. So, question. How do you feel about naps? Oh, I love I love a good nap. Okay, so what <laughs> do you – I mean, I love a good nap too because it makes me feel good. Um, but, like, if you are missing eight hours of sleep, naps are cool. Will that help at all? Is that is, – is a nap just to kind of make you feel better to get you through to when you can get a full eight hours? Or is it – Well, that's an interesting question because in most other countries, they – from my understanding, they'll have like a break in the afternoon where like it's in America, we just take like 15 minutes for lunch and then go right back to work. Or you just like eat your way through the work day. It's a long lunch. Yeah. And then in other countries, they'll have like a two hour break and like people will go and take naps and like mm-hmm. it's a completely normal thing. Um, I find it best if I take a 20 minute nap. If I yeah. see, if I take like a two hour nap, I'll wake up and be like, oh, tired as hell. Yeah, there's like a, there's a balance there. But yeah, I think that napping is is definitely super healthy you just gotta find what works best like some people may feel nap for an hour and feel fine afterwards for me i know it's like 20 minutes and then get up and Mm -hmm. get moving and then i feel great Hmm. so cool i'm all for naps i love a good nap yeah yeah and the the 20 30 minute nap is Mm -hmm. it's clutch man so do do you think that like getting sleepy is the same so um like if you're thirsty it's probably because your body needs water you know if you're hungry Mm -hmm. it's probably because you need to eat yeah you know is that do you think that's the same thing with sleep where you know because or do you think that's more routine because like i'll tell you 11 30 that's like i'm ready to take a nap by then especially because i wake up at four but mm-hmm. I, I i think a lot of it is like um is what you're used to um because there's different types of fatigue there could be like i need to go take a nap fatigue or like my brain is fried because i've been looking at this computer mm-hmm. screen for like three hours type of fatigue um there's there's different types but i mean if you know that you're chronically lacking in sleep um you know more i would definitely say that more sleep is better or if like you know you do well throughout the week and then the weekend you're drinking until four in the morning that's going to jack up (laughs) and that used to be what i liked to do during college but like i try not to do that anymore (laughs) yeah dude that really messes i don't think people understand like how much that like messes you up raises your heart rates uh messes with your brain and that's all for like you know a couple hours of pleasure, and then it like, it, and then you get into like hangover stuff like that, and it like ruins the whole next day. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sleep quality is just absolutely trash too. So, 
That's a, uh, another another little nugget there yeah. about drinking and doing all that stuff. We're talking so. about that off the air, but yeah, you know, yeah, I think yeah. everyone's been there at least yeah. once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, guys, uh, let's let's do closing thoughts here. We're going on a little over forty minutes. We're doing well. Uh, Monroe, remember what you were you were thinking about, dude? My closing thoughts is something that Jim told me the other day: is that uh, recovery work is measured in consistency over time, not sets and reps. So I started just doing this whole recovery thing, and I was that could like, be like on a poster or something, yeah. you know? So <laughs> you know, I was just like, okay, time to activate my hamstring. Mm-hmm. How much can I just blast my hamstring and make it better tomorrow? And it just, you know, it's it's a steady process, especially like I think with the the neurological side of it that I'm going through. So yeah, cool. Do I'm it just, every do it every day for a long time. Don't just try to do a whole bunch at once. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll elaborate one that elaborate on that. I'll add to that. I'm just gonna say I'll say stretching is something that I personally need to do just a lot more on a consistent basis for the rest of my life, just to make sure muscles, everything, joints are pliable, full range of motion. So next podcast, I'm going to be like, did you throw a tantrum and did you stretch three times? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Hold you accountable. All right, Jim. Uh, Roll, stretch, strengthen. If you guys are hurting, come see me. Love to help you out. Awesome. Thank you so much for watching, guys. If you are uh, watching on YouTube, uh, like the video, subscribe to my channel for more just like this. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, give us a five-star rating. We appreciate any comments you have, any questions you have, leave them down below. Thank you so much for watching, and we'll see you soon.